You are listening to Bear in Mind, the University of Northern Colorado's official podcast. Join us each episode as we listen to the voices from UNC faculty, staff, students, and alumni as they offer insights of local or national importance. This is your host, Dan and Cox, bringing you just a taste of UNC. There's different ways to approach Holocaust studies in the United States. Some people take an historical look. Some people are interested in how various nations have responded to the Holocaust. I'm interested in it as a tool for teaching and teaching both history, but also asking students to look at both the causes of the Holocaust the implications of the Holocaust and the effects of the Holocaust and what we can learn from them in our 21st century world. But what's particularly interesting is my start was with a group here in Greeley, believe it or not, that asked me to be part of a Jewish reading group. It was a grant sponsored by the American Library Association and a group called Next Book. And these were mostly Jewish members of the Greeley community, and there aren't very many of them. And I joined up, and at one point they asked me if I would read a series of essays for an essay contest that they sponsored for Greeley's week-long commemoration of the Holocaust. And I said, sure, I read essays. That's what I do for a living. And it was on Elie Wiesel's quotation, do not stand idly by, which is a warning something we learned from the Holocaust about speaking out and being an activist. And nearly all the essays said, if only the Jews had stood up for themselves, there would never have been a Holocaust. And that just showed me a complete misunderstanding of the origins of the Holocaust. Not that I had ever studied the Holocaust in that much detail, it was just my common sense knowledge. And I will say that I'm half Jewish, but my family came over at the turn of the century so I have, I'm sure there are lingering relatives in Belarus who might have died in the Shoah, which is the term I use for the Holocaust, and others who were living in other countries who might have died. But my immediate family was all in the United States, long established in New York. Anyway, after reading these essays, I went to our then department chair and said, there's a workshop at the U.S. Holocaust Memorial Museum, and I really want to go because I have to figure out how to teach my pre-service teachers better to teach the Holocaust. And that started it. Since that time, I've been a fellow at the U.S. Holocaust Memorial Museum. I've been a fellow at the International School for Holocaust Studies at Yad Vashem. I've been a fellow at the Auschwitz Jewish Center. And I've made my own little study area how the Holocaust is represented in museums around the world. And I've been to Shanghai and Poland and Berlin, obviously, to Hungary, to Britain, to France. I haven't been to South America. And so that's what I've been studying. How is it represented and how can we read the story of the Holocaust when it's told in different locations? And how does each country narrate that story in order to meet its own particular needs? So if you think about it in the United States at the Holocaust Museum in Washington, you take an elevator upstairs and the first thing that you see is Dwight Eisenhower at a concentration camp looking at the results, looking at bodies. 
and it starts an American narrative. And even where the museum is placed just off the mall and how it looks on the outside versus the story it tells on the inside, it's telling an American story. It says, this is a country where these things don't happen. But if you go to Yad Vashem in Israel, after you go through a very structured museum, at the end, at the back entrance, it's like wings open up and you have this vista of the city of Jerusalem. And the argument there is, if we had had a place to go, if we'd had our own country, we would not have been in the diaspora. That means spread around the world in places that are not our home. So we need a homeland and we need to protect it. And that's the narrative every country has to tell its own story. That's the focus I take. Now, when I'm teaching the Holocaust to my students, and I've used it to teach my methods class, I've taught a class in Holocaust literature, I'm gonna be teaching a class on museums and museology, this whole idea of how museums tell stories. My focus is always, what do we learn? Why wouldn't this happen in the United States? Why are we so confident about that? And in our current political climate, are we as confident? And if we're reading literature, it's what do, how are people represented? What does it mean to be human in these texts? What happens to people, people's humanities? Or what is it that the people we meet in literature believe? And how do those beliefs, those beliefs shape them? So these are not necessarily the questions of where the Nazis come from and, you know, was it all Hitler and yada yada. It's not those questions. It's the more theoretical, philosophical, abstract questions that make us look at our world as closely as we do the world of Europe in the 1930s and 40s. You know, it's funny, I've offered a lot, I offer many workshops here. I've brought in people from Yad Vashem, which is the, the National Holocaust Museum in Jerusalem. I bring in people from the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum almost every year. Last year, I brought in a fellow named Danny Cohen, who has a group, he's a professor at Northwestern, and he has a, um, a nonprofit called Unsilence, which really focuses on genocide more broadly. But his work is on the Roma and homosexuals in the Holocaust. And I've brought him over to Greeley West, and there must have been 500 students there. So students, they start off fascinated when I go out and speak around the air, the northern Colorado, which I do a lot, and I do for free, not to say how great I am, just that's how much I believe in it, and because I like kids and I like to teach. But when I go, they'll often start with kind of um, macabre questions about the camps and about the death. Um, but ultimately, as we talk or as they learn more, their questions become more reflective. Why did this happen? What about neighbors? How could somebody do this to somebody else? So I train my students. I've, I, I, these workshops that I have are for pre-service and in-service teachers, but mostly for pre-service teachers and mostly English language arts teachers. And they go out and they sort of take I don't want to call it my message, but my approach to talking about the Holocaust, because we really do believe in the program I have here, um, the program we have at, at UNC on English education, that our goal is to create activist teachers and good citizens. More than anything else, more than any knowledge base that, that K-12 students can have, we care that they're good people and thoughtful and critical. And so that we begin to see as they study the Holocaust from our teachers. The questions are not about 
name how many, which camps were death camps. And it's, um, they're, they're richer questions about who we are as human beings and what can I do? And that means we've been successful. What can I do to prevent this? What can I do to help? And that's, that's part of our mission. Because teaching's a mission, right? That's what we do. It's our mission to go out there and fix the world. Tikkum olam, fix the world or heal the world. It's an old you know, Hebrew idea. My name is Dr. Jerry Craver, and I am a professor of English and director of English education here at the university. For people who are interested in understanding the Holocaust and understanding why the Holocaust matters and what we can learn about it even in our own little communities, Greeley has the largest commemoration in the state of Colorado, even though we've probably got the smallest Jewish population of the major cities. Bigger than Boulder, we have a week-long observance in March and April of every single year. I, I, I've been on the committee since I've been here, which is 16 years, and I should, now I should know how long it's been going on, but I don't. But every year we bring in a survivor, which is a rare occurrence now because the survivors are old. And we have a series of presentations on art or on historical moments, on music, we have guest speakers come from around the country. It's all manner of events between the university, between Ames Community College, between the UCC downtown, and it's impressive, the commitment of the community. And it's an opportunity to really learn about all kinds of aspects. And each year it's different, which means that you can learn something new every March or April, depending on the week when we have it, um, about the Holocaust or about history or about genocide. And so it's an event that honors the memory of all the people who died. And everybody talks about 6 million Jews, but it's 10 million people total. So come out to those events. That's what I would say. And anytime we have anything, I tend to offer it for the community. Um, and even though it might not seem your cup of tea, or even though it might seem like it's really depressing, ultimately it becomes uplifting because it's a story of survival.